It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Steelers played their first preseason game, their first live football of the 2022 season. But how much can we learn from preseason football? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. One of my first rules of preseason is my three R's. Uh, Whenever I evaluate anything, rank, roll, results. Results always come third. Rank, roll, results. And we're going to talk about that today uh, one of the big things I want to bring up, we're, we're going to start this first half of the show. We're going to dive into the defense. We're going to do the offense in the second half. It's a little flip from how I normally do it, uh, but I, I think it makes more sense that way in this game. Uh, the Steelers' defense, especially their front, uh, the, the three defensive linemen, the outside linebackers, they started their second string. T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Tyson Alualu, Cam Hayward, those guys didn't play a single snap. So their front was already their backups, right? And not even every backup. Uh, Jannard Avery w- didn't play in this game. So going against the Seahawks starting offensive line, I believe they had four of their five starters on the offensive line. The Steelers defense, when it first came in, did pretty well. If you look at the first four drives, the Seahawks got a field goal and that's it. Four drives in, they had three points. At that point in the game, uh, there were a few problems we'd already seen. First off, Delonte Scott 
and Chris Wormley were driven off the ball on run defense several times. Wormley is hit or miss. There are times, man, he had a play where he anchored against a double team really well. He had some other plays where he just beat the guy who was trying to block him one-on-one and got past him. But then he'll have a number of plays where he doesn't just get blocked. He gets driven out of position on the, the, the one cutback run for a big gain that everyone looks at Devin Bush on. If you watch Chris Wormley on that play, Chris Wormley's on one side, Henry Mondo's on the other side, right? Chris Wormley's on the play this run will eventually go to. He'll cut back to that side. By the time he cuts back and crosses the line of scrimmage, Chris Wormley has been driven about three yards backwards and completely across the formation so that he is actually right behind Henry Mondo. Right? He is behind Henry Mondo. He got driven completely across the play. When that happens to your defensive lineman, your run defense is done. It's in bad shape. And a lot of the times when you see big gains gashed against the Steelers in 2021, you see Chris Wormley getting driven way out of position so that he's not a factor at all. And the Steelers are essentially just down a defender. It happens enough that I am surprised he's still, you know, second team. He's still like our number one backup. Defensive lineman, uh, Henry Mondo, right, plays roughly, I would say, I would argue he's better. If you look at the number of good plays versus bad plays, uh, they're about equal to each other in run defense. But Wormley's problem is his bad plays are so bad, right? You can have a bad play and still kind of be there. Still, you're not you're not helping, but you're not you're still there. You're still a barricade. You're still something the running back has to avoid, right? You're, you're not closing the hole, but you're there. You're limiting the scope of it. Wormley, when you get driven completely out of the play, I mean, there's, there's times last season, he got driven into another defender and basically one guy blocked two Steelers because they drew Wormley into somebody and knocked that guy down. Like that's his bad reps can be really, really bad. So I would put Wormley and Mondo on the same level run defense, right? And and I would personally put Mondo ahead of Wormley, but for argument's sake, let's say they're equal. Henry Mondo is listed as a fourth string defensive end. Khalil Davis is in front of him. Isaiah Loudermilk is in front of him. Cam Hayward is in front of him, right? There are, if you look at the depth chart and you just go first, second, third team, fourth team, there are nine players at least ranked above Henry Mondo on that depth chart. And he's roughly as good a run defender as Chris Wormley. It's also weird to me, Mondo started this game. He's consistently one of the first defensive linemen off the bench in the preseason consistently ranks at the bottom of their depth chart, and he plays in front of players that are listed above him. I don't understand what the Steelers are doing with Henry Mondo, uh, but it's just just what, it's consistent. It's what they do. Isaiah Loudermilk looked good. He consistently held his ground in the run defense. There were plays where you would see Mondo get driven back. You would see Wormley get driven way out of the play. And then Loudermilk's on the other side, holding his ground on the line of scrimmage, still there. You know, single defender, double team, didn't matter. He was holding his ground in the run game. I thought he looked good because of that. I mean, I'm going to rate 
your ability to not get driven off the ball in run defense very highly this preseason simply because of what we saw last season when that wasn't, you know, the case. Carlos Davis, he also came in earlier. Uh, he showed some good. He showed some bad. Kind of kind of Henry Mondo level. I'd, I'd put him at the same level of Henry Mondo. These are not guys you want to be starting in there. But again, the Steelers were missing four of their top linemen. You've got your starting three, and uh, Montrevious Adams was out as well. So you were you, they're, you're down four players. These guys are out there that probably aren't, I mean, some of them aren't going to make the team at all. A lot of the guys playing there weren't going to make the team at all. We go to outside linebackers. Obviously, Watt and Highsmith weren't playing. Jannard Avery wasn't playing either. Uh, Tuska looked good. He's the same guy he was last season. He's a solid enough backup. Is he a really good backup? No. Is he solid enough? Yeah. Yeah, Tuska's a guy you can throw out there, and he's going to give you good snaps. Uh, if if TJ Watt goes down or if Alex Highsmith goes down for a number of games, you're not going to want Derek Tuska as your number one guy out there. You're not going to want that. We don't know what the team has in Jannard Avery yet, so keep that in mind. The Steelers were down three of their top four. They usually carry four or five outside linebackers. So outside of Tuska, I don't know if any of these other guys will even be on the roster come week one. So I'm not going to focus too much on them here like that we, we can talk about that towards the end when we're talking about who is towards the end of preseason we're talking about who's gonna you know make the team who's gonna make the practice squad the inside linebackers miles jack looked good uh for a caveat here he did play on isaac Lau- isaiah loudermilk side he didn't see as many blockers getting to him he wasn't having the defensive line pushed into him as much but when blockers did get to him he dodged a few of them to to get in on a tackle to get you know to chase the play Jack is the Steelers' number one inside linebacker. If you're worried if they have a guy, they have a guy. They didn't have a guy last year that was a problem. They've got a guy this year. His name is Miles Jack. Devin Bush, frankly to me, looked like he wanted nothing to do with physical contact of any kind. At no point in that game when he was in did he look like a person who wanted to hit another human being. That is a hard thing when you're a linebacker, right? When it's a cornerback. That's, tr- that's problematic. If you're a cornerback who doesn't like to hit people, that's a negative for your team. But linebacker? That's a serious problem. Now, this is preseason. Business decisions are our thing that happen in the preseason. So I'm giving, I'm giving a lot of people passes on this game. I'm not judging people in the first preseason game. I'm not saying we need to cut Bush. What I'm saying is Bush can't play like this again. Like you can't, you can't just be like, I'm going to be a linebacker who doesn't hit people. Uh, that that doesn't work, especially from a guy who really needs a back uh, a bounce back season, especially in the physicality department. He was a little timid last year. He was a little gun shy. This guy needs to get out there and show he is ready to get out there, fly around the field, and hit people like he did when he was really good. But he wanted nothing to do with hitting people on Saturday night. Robert Spillane is Robert Spillane. He's going to look terrible in the preseason because they don't give him help. He's going to look terrible in running back coverage drills in in camp because he doesn't have help. He is not a guy you stick on one-on-one coverage with any competent route runner and expect good results from your defense. You're not going to get it. In the preseason, man coverage, no help, super vanilla defense, he's going to get abused. He's going to be. 
They're not going to use him like that in the season. They don't. He looks fine when he is in a situation where he doesn't have to be that guy. The minute he has to be that guy, he looks awful. So, I mean, there's not there's not much to it to me. Uh, the one thing I do want to note is Spillane came in for Miles Jack pretty early. I mean, the Steelers know what they have in Miles Jack. The little bit we got to see, yeah, he's that guy. You don't need to play him much. When it was Bush and Spillane in, the minute Spillane hit that field, the Seahawks went after him. Went after him consistently. Tight ends, running backs, his area in zone. They threw at him a lot. They didn't do that to Devin Bush. So even though Devin Bush wasn't actually hitting people and looked like he wanted nothing to do with with the physicality of football, uh, he can still cover. Right? He's still a guy that teams don't want to attack in coverage because he's there. He's in the right spot, and they know he can make plays. So if Devin Bush gets his physicality going, uh, he is clearly the number two. If not, I, I don't know if you can be an inside linebacker who doesn't who shies away from contact. I don't think that's a position that you can do that in. Right? Uh, I mean, Akella Witherspoon has survived this long because he's great in coverage. But he doesn't really like he doesn't do well at the physical side as much. We'll get to that in a bit. But you know, you can't you can do that as a cornerback. You cannot do that as a linebacker. Mark Robinson and Buddy Johnson came in. They were not good. Uh Mark Robinson needs to go really quickly. He needs to develop and grow quickly, or he's not making this team. He was lost enough. There was a special teams play, a kick coverage play, uh, where he was being pushed. I think it was Buddy Johnson, uh, physically pushed him to get him in the right position. Like, you're not in the lane you need to be in. You're in my lane. Like, get over. Get to your left. And he like physically put his hand on his back and pushed him. Mark Robinson has a lot of growth to do, a lot of mental growth, a lot of reps, a lot of experience he just doesn't have. They talk about, you know, you can't be out there thinking. You have to just react. Well, he there's stuff he hasn't built up to where he can just react to it. He doesn't have the experience to do that. He doesn't have the training. As a free rusher at the end of the game where he was not blocked, he made a play. It's good to see that when he has a chance to make a play, he got his hand on the ball. You know, he came on the quarterback's back, and the first thing he hit was the ball. Great job. Great play way to do it. That's how you do it. Um, but we need to see him... Get com- get comfortable and being competent, knowing where he needs to be and what he needs to be doing. He was not that guy in week one of the preseason. And at this point, I've got to say, he looks like a practice squad guy. As good as he looked in camp, as much as he was getting the skills down, it's not translating to 11 versus 11 football yet. Lastly, we have the defensive backs. You, you can't really complain about the game that the defensive backs had. They held you know, the Seahawks to very low passing numbers, very low efficiency. Uh, there were some bad plays. Carlin's Platel, his missed tackle was big. All three of the top corners looked good. Uh, Kella Witherspoon came out, made some tackles, was aggressive. It looked nice. Of course, the second tackle he made, he got hurt on, which is a concern. Like every, I've said this before, every time he tries to step into that big role, every time he tries to really become that player, that complete cornerback, he either gets hurt or he has an awful season. Usually, 
it's both. He gets banged up. He plays hurt. He looks bad. He ends up off the t- team. Like, he's just... I, I don't know if he just needs to stick to a coverage specialist role or if he can be that guy. I just... Oh, seeing him make two tackles and get hurt wasn't the best. Trey Norwood looked really good. Uh, Mar- Arthur Mallette looked really good. Seahawks didn't have don't have the best receivers right now with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf not playing. Like that's your receiving core. They're they're not the deepest receiving core. So the defensive backs might be tested more in another game, but for this one with what they were facing, they did a really good job. Especially the ones that matter more. Right? Especially the the top players all looked good. I thought Levi Wallace looked really good. Cameron Sutton had a good game. Kella Witherspoon looked good for a few plays he was in. The big story for the defense, to me, especially when you look at the run defense, the Seahawks played their first string offensive line the entire first half and some of them into the second half. By the time they scored that touchdown, right, in the first half, the end of the first half, Steelers had, like, their third string in. Carlos Davis had been in. You know, you've got uh, rookie DeMarvin Leal in there. You've got Buddy Johnson playing linebacker with Robert Spillane. Like, that's that's your defense that they ran on. Derek Tuska wasn't even out there at that point, right? And they're finally running on the Steelers. They're, they're I mean, not just running, but they're they're moving the ball on the Steelers and they start scoring points. The second half, Drew Locke played the entire entire second half. That's the guy that they were talking about being their starter, right? He is their presumed starter right now for the season. And he was in on the second half playing against absolute, like, bottom of the roster guys for the Steelers. I don't think there was really anyone out there that you could look at and say, that guy's definitely making this team. Seahawks had plenty of players out there on offense that you're saying, that guy's definitely making this team. Uh, so I, I'm not I'm not trying to judge the backups too harshly because, I mean, you're talking third-string guys, guys who may or may not make this team against starters, it, especially on the, with the offensive line. So for me, we, we need more. We need more. What we did see of, you know, the Steelers' backups versus the Seahawks' half-starters on offensive line – Steelers did pretty well. Steelers did pretty pretty decently, and they stopped them. Of course, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett weren't out there. Might have been a different story if they were. Noah Fant is their big, was their big return in the Russell Wilson trade as far as players go. He was playing in the second half. He made plays in the second half when the Steelers are playing Buddy Johnson and Mark Robinson. Like, it's, it's not the easiest thing to judge. Uh, Teams keep players out there when they want their drives to go good. Teams, you know, call better plays sometimes just to to get a better look. It happens. That's the first half of our show. Uh, The second half, we're going to talk about the offense. So I will be back after a short break.
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Like a bird in the night, waiting for the Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Preseason has started. The ramp up towards the final roster announcements. Any late season free agency acquisitions as teams start cutting players. All of that's going to be covered at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and on the Behind the Steel Curtain podcast family. You want analysis, breaking down the depth chart, the players, who looked good, who didn't, scheme, all this stuff. We we got it for you. We are truly your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Make sure you're listening to the podcast. Make sure you are going over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com to read our articles. With the return of the preseason football the Steelers preview show is is back. The Steelers post game show is back, and the uh, show I do every Wednesday uh, goes back from being the curtain call to know your enemy. We talked about Seattle week before. Got to hear some interesting things, interesting players. If you want a good scouting report on the team we're about to face, tune in Wednesday nights and uh, listen listen to. Know your enemy. This week we'll be talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars ahead of the Steelers' second preseason game. So check that out. We'll be we'll have a guest on. We'll be talking all about that matchup. First half of the show, we talked about the Steelers' defense uh, and and their who struggled, who was good. This second half, I want to start by talking, going further into something we were discussing about the nature of the preseason. One big thing in the preseason is the scheme. Everything's very vanilla. Everything's very basic. Uh, one, of the, one of the things, I, uh, there, was a, there was a quarterback that was talking, and he was saying, you get a lot of clean reads, right? Before the play, you can tell it's cover three. You snap the ball, yeah, it's cover three. There's no wrinkles. There's no weird things with it. It's, it's just straight up. You're, you're getting what you see, right? Teams run those vanilla offensive plays, vanilla defensive plays, not little wrinkles on them, not little, you know, stuff that they're going to do during the season. They just want to see players play, right? Both sides understand this. But there are times you break from that. The Seahawks broke from that on defense. They ran some interesting blitzes. Uh, The Steelers varied from it. Kenny Pickett's first drive, they went after the Seahawks' defense. The plays they called were called to win, right? Normally, you're calling plays to try and see, hey, we want to see how this guy does against this matchup. We want to see how we can block this look. You know, that's what you're normally doing in preseason is you're checking out players. You're not sitting there laughing, saying, ha ha, our scheme beat your scheme. Well, you didn't learn anything then, 
right? You didn't learn about the players. So you run super vanilla play, super vanilla offense, super vanilla defense, and you see how the players match up with each other, right? You got to see if this guy, when the opposing team kind of knows what he's doing, can he still get it done? That's a big deal. The Steelers, when Kenny Pickett's first drive went away from that, the Seahawks went away from it a bit, and that's important. Because one of the big weaknesses we saw on the offensive line in that preseason game came in the form of James Daniels when he faced stunts and and blitzes. He would line up, and before the snap, you get your read and you mark off your men. Okay, you know you're responsible for that guy. I'm responsible for this guy. That guy, the center is responsible for picking up that guy. Then when you snap, you have to watch and see if your pre-snap read was correct. And if it wasn't, you have to adjust. The same with a quarterback calling a play. The offensive line has to do the same thing. You sit there, you say, oh, they're running cover three. You snap it. Nope, they rotated to cover two, right? James Daniels multiple times was caught just staring down his pre-snap assignment, right? His pre-snap read said, you're blocking this guy. And he was just going to block him. And then all of a sudden, whoops, there was a stunt. And you need to switch. And you're not in position to switch. And that guy's beating you. And the quarterback got hit. Mitchell Trubisky took two pretty decent shots because James Daniel was locked onto his pre-snap read for his block. I've got an article, a film room coming out about his game. I don't think it's a serious problem. Like, you don't last in the NFL as a starter for three years. You you don't do that. This is his fifth year in the NFL. You don't have the season he had last year. You don't put up uh, 2,000-some pass-blocking snaps and give up four total sacks. If defensive coaches know all they have to do is run a stunt and you're going to just not even know what to do. Or, oh my gosh, they blitzed the slot cornerback. I'm now responsible for a linebacker instead of the defensive tackle, but I'm not paying attention, and so I just let the linebacker go free. You're not lasting long in the NFL if you're playing like that. I don't think this is a serious problem. I think it's somebody walking into preseason and, uh, you know, not not being fully there, not being fully ready for football. Uh, We'll have to watch. It's something to watch, absolutely something to watch, because if it happens again, If this is a problem in preseason game two, then the Steelers have a serious, serious problem with a guy that you can't trust at all in pass protection. Uh, I expect it to not be. I I can't imagine. I can't imagine it would continue. But that was really the only problem on the offensive line. Really it. Uh, We'll get get into a little more into that here in a minute. Uh, But let's move on to quarterbacks. Trubisky looked mobile, good overall. Um, You saw one of the negatives of Trubisky on his very last play of the game for him. It's third and four, good pass protection. He steps up into the pocket and misfires a short pass to Gunnar Olszewski. Gunnar Olszewski is open. He's going to get the first down, and Trubisky rifles the ball past him. Out of his reach. When Trubisky is moving forward, stepping up in the pocket, when he is in the pocket in general, he's he's not as good a quarterback. He's better on the move, especially laterally. But when he steps up into the pocket and throws, 
his mechanics that are always not the greatest get worse. It gets exacerbated, and you will see him, you know, throwing a laser three feet off target to a guy that all he needs to do is just, it's a layup. And he is just swinging for the fences. I, it's a thing that constantly shows up. He he will just absolutely misfire a hard throw instead of just delivering it to the receiver for a first down in exactly that situation. And it's not the biggest negative, but it kills drives. When it shows up, those plays often happen on third downs, third and three, third and four, makeable downs. You just have to make the play, and he misses it. That's one of the big negatives of Trubisky. Uh, we saw some of the good stuff with him. We saw him escape pressure. He he didn't take sacks. The two times that uh, James Daniel blew coverage, blew the, his blocking assignment, and let a guy come and hit Trubisky, neither of them ended in a sack. Both of them ended in, in you know, a, a, one was a reception for a short gain, and the other was Trubisky ran away and uh, gained like six, seven yards on a run. Like that's Mitchell Trubisky's strength. His his weaknesses also showed up. Mason Rudolph delivered a beautiful ball to George Pickens. That is Mason Rudolph in a nutshell. We're gonna get back to that very quickly here. But I want to talk about the sack because the negative side of Mason Rudolph showed up on the sack and strip fumble. Dan Moore Jr.'s gotten blamed for that, but I if you rewatch the play. By the time that guy gets the ball that's in Mason Rudolph's hand, he has been pushed nine yards behind the line of scrimmage. By the time he gets around that arc to go towards Mason Rudolph, he is nine yards behind the line of scrimmage. That is a good rep. That's not bad blocking. That's not getting beat. Meanwhile, Mason Rudolph is sitting at a depth of eight yards. With seven yards of clean pocket in front of him and nobody to his left. If he takes one step up, and I mean, if you watch his feet, he goes back there and boom, his feet are set. He looks and then he goes to throw. His feet are just set there. Eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. You've got to step up there. You have to. And it really showcases a disconnect here because... The Steelers' offensive line play, they've stated they want more mobile quarterbacks. Pat Meyer has stated in the past that he puts more responsibility on the quarterback to move and to avoid the rush than a lot of offensive line coaches do. The Steelers had gotten away with that. They wanted a clean pocket for Ben Roethlisberger to stand in and throw the ball. Mason Rudolph, becoming a backup quarterback, has spent the last how many years of his career Becoming that quarterback that can play that system, he doesn't fit with the Steelers very well. You've got to be able to move out of that. You've got to be able to move away from uh, the pressure. If you go back to that throw to Pickens, snap, one step back, turn, throw the ball, right? It's timing, it's in rhythm, clean pocket. He's not moving, he's not being asked to do much. Delivers a beautiful pass. I think he'll do better. 
I think this is another case where, you know, he'll do better in another preseason game. This is the first preseason game for everyone. But not even saying the Steelers are better off without Mason Rudolph. I think Mason Rudolph would be better off on another team. I think he would be better off on a team that fits what he is now. The player he has become. Go find some place that has more of a pocket quarterback. Be their backup. Develop into a player who can, you know, start and, and be a be a decent starting quarterback. That he's not going to be that in Matt Canada's offense, in my opinion. Kenny Pickett. One of the big themes of this game is the disparity between who's on the field for each team and what the play calls are. Right? Are you playing the vanilla game, the preseason calls, or are you actually calling real plays? That showed up constantly through this game. One of the biggest examples of that is Kenny Pickett's first drive. The Steelers kept their essentially second-team offensive line in for this game. You've still got Hassenhauer, LeGlue. You've got Joe Hegg. You've got those guys playing, guys who are gonna make, who are gonna probably make the roster or at least be like on the bubble. Guys who have played in the past, guys who played a decent bit last season, they're still on the field. The Seahawks in the second half, had their second string defense finally out there. And the Steelers are calling plays to beat what they've seen from Seattle's defense. That first drive by Kenny Pickett was a manufactured drive, right? It was. It was a manufactured drive. After that drive, you drop another level down the depth chart on the Steelers' offense. You're not calling those. You're not calling it just to get Kenny Pickett a good first drive. And the, the offense kind of stalls. At the end there, we saw Tyler Vaughn in. We saw some different players. There, there was like the wide receiver set. I can't remember his name. I had number 21 in. They were not good. It, it wasn't good. Um, they came back that last drive. He showed up. That was more legit, in my opinion. Uh, Kenny Pickett showing off what he can do. But it was great to see him come in and execute. We've seen other quarterbacks come in and have a favorable situation and and fail. He did it. Uh, Not too much to take away from this game other than the hype was pretty good. It was was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, We'll see when it gets a little more serious, when it gets a little more realistic. But I loved loved seeing it. I loved seeing him move the ball down the field. Uh, He looked poised and like he knew what he was doing. And he'll get better. He will grow. Anthony McFarlane and Jalen Warren at running back were both very good. Mateo Durant, not so much. Uh, but a big part of running the ball was the offensive line was run blocking better. One, one of the things I want to bring up here for the running game is they were in three-point stances a lot. There was a lot of three-point stances out there. We talk, we've talked in the past about offensive linemen being in two-point stances. That's one of the things uh, KT Smith always brings up with the Steelers is they used to be in two-point stances because they were ready to pass block. They were all focused on pass blocking. That's not the case this year. They were focused on run blocking. The offensive line was much better. Uh, McFarland and Jalen Warren both looked good, partly because of the offensive line, but also they ran well. And a big part of the Najee Harris equation of getting Najee Harris fewer snaps, more efficiency, having him be healthier and stronger at the end of the season is that offensive line play. It showed up for at least the first preseason game. We go to tight ends. Connor Hayward played throughout the game. He played on special teams, a lot different sets. He played tight end from the first quarter to the fourth quarter. 
he was in in and out of the he was in and off on and off the field but he was in the whole game on and off but he he played every quarter and he was used in multiple ways they had him blocking defensive ends they would move him in motion they would get him out on cornerbacks on safeties when they got him out on a linebacker one on one they went to him and he beat those linebackers and made plays uh, the George Pickens touchdown, the throw from Mason Rudolph, they moved Connor Hayward in motion to the slot next to, to George Pickens. And Connor Hayward's job was to take out the safety. The safety on that side. They were like, they had a split field look, so they had like a, a safety on that side of the field. And Connor Hayward just ran straight at that safety. When he got close to him, cut inside a bit, took the safety out of the equation so that George Pickens had a one-on-one. And the thing that stood out to me on that play, sitting in the stadium watching it, was Connor Hayward got to the end zone about the same time George Pickens did. Right? This is a guy you can have one play, he is blocking a 275-pound defensive end and doing a good job of it. Another play, he is your lead blocker coming across the field and blocking a linebacker. And then another play, you put move him into the slot, and he runs almost step for step with George Pickens to run the safety off of that of that deep route to Pickens, so that Pickens is one on one. That's what Connor Hayward brings. Uh, Kevin Rader, uh, Jay Sternberger, they looked fine, but they don't bring what Connor Hayward brings. Connor Hayward is going to be the number three tight end, and I think he's going to get a decent amount of snaps this season. He's going to play a lot more than we've seen Derek Watt play. I would not be surprised to see them try him at fullback a bit. However, they can always wait till next year. I think Derek Watt is safe to make the roster this year. So they can they have time. We go to wide receivers here. Uh, Pickens, George Pickens is who we thought he was. Right, this is he's going to be good. This is Mike Wallace, Martavis Bryant all over again. He is going to be a playmaker. He could be better than those guys, but for his rookie season, I expect that kind of an impact. I don't know how big it will be because you know, Martavis Bryant and Mike Wallace came in with the best versions of Ben Roethlisberger when that deep ball was on point and he was one of the absolute best at splitting deep safeties. Uh, for for big gains, and they were those guys. They were those speed receivers that just he could. They were the they were the tool that you know they were the chisel in the hand of the master. Right, Ben Roethlisberger was the main reason those offenses were great, but those were the exact right tool for him to exploit. What Pickens means to this offense, we will see. It's going to be good. He's going to be valuable. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what he can be. I think he's going to be very, very good for this offense. Other receiver I want to talk about is Gunnar Olszewski. He is going to have value on this offense towards the bottom of the depth chart, but he's a very nice depth piece as a special teamer. Same for Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin showed up consistently on special teams. He is one of your better special teams players. I'd put him up there with the Trey Norwoods, the Benny Snells, and and James Pierre. Like, he's on their level on special teams, and he showed he can be a solid receiver option, too. So I think you see Olszewski and uh, Miles Boykin make this team as depth pieces. I think it's going to be very hard to knock them off, and this team's going to be carrying a lot of receivers, in my opinion, because of that. 
Last comment I want to make on the offense. The Steelers, if you look at their depth chart, they only played two of their top six receivers. They were down four of their top six receivers. Okay? Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Austin III, Anthony Miller are listed as, those are four of their top six receivers. They had Miles Boykin and George Pickens. That's it for their depth chart rankings. That's it. And the next one on the list is Gunnar Olszewski, right? So, and then you go to tight ends. Their top two tight ends, Pat Firemuth and Zach Gentry, didn't play. Top two running backs, Najee Harris, Benny Snell Jr. Again, by the depth chart, those are the top two running backs. They didn't play either. On offense, when you're looking at their weapons, the Steelers were down eight of their top ten weapons. If you go too deep on their depth chart, for running back, wide receiver, all three wide receiver spots, and tight end, the Pittsburgh Steelers played two of their top ten weapons. Two. George Pickens and Miles Boykin. All three quarterbacks ended with a passer rating over 100. Winners for this game have to include Matt Canada. They have to. Because this offense, playing with second and third string weapons from the start, did a good job. They executed well. This is a very deep roster. They showed it. They did a really, really good job out there. Uh, obviously, how much does it mean when, when again, you know, there's eight players that are going to be ahead of those guys, most of those guys. Other than George Pickens, none of the players we saw play out there will be starting for skill positions on offense, for those weapons. None of them. So... That's something to watch for, but you've gotta you've gotta list Matt Canada and the position coaches, everyone as winners in this game because they stepped up. Bottom of the depth chart guys stepped up and made plays. That's gonna be our show for the day. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope we learned. Hope you learned something uh, for the Steelers in this preseason game. Again, so many starters out. It was really good to see the young players get a chance to step up and shine. And some players who are going to be fringe roster players got to show what they can do. That's good stuff. For me, thank you for watch, listening. You're not watching the show, you're listening. Thank you for listening to our show. Uh, as always, have a great week. And let's go see you.